The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Our reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When the days were completed for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted, and you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There is also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Mark Twain once commented on his relationship with his father in this way. He said, when I was 14, I didn't think, I thought the old man was completely ignorant and I didn't even want to be around him. When I was 21, I was amazed at how much the old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> this speaks to the challenge of and the changes in our families that the teenagers who are here, I'm sure, are probably thinking to themselves, yeah, mom and dad are pretty ignorant. For those of us who've had the experience of getting to know our parents as we get older, we've recognized that what we thought was ignorance is actually wisdom. 
when we've gotten to know them as people as opposed to just authority figures, when we've known their love in many different ways, we know and we've experienced and we see the power, the beauty, the wonder of that relationship that we have, not only with our parents, but with our siblings and our extended family. But if it were easy, the prophet Sirach would not be telling us so much blessing is in store. Because blessings come when we do the hard work, when we walk with the Lord through difficult valleys. And as Sirach says, to love your mother and to love your father is a place of blessing. The reality of it is this, is that our families, especially as husbands and wives and mothers and fathers, are the most important work of our life. And as a result, they are the most difficult. And to love a mother or father, even a mother or father when we realize they are imperfect, or even maybe a bad mother or father, or struggle greatly, to love them in their weakness is a sign of our blessedness, our wonder, and the grace of God working through us. The family is the foundation, not only of society, but of the church itself. And yet we see in our culture, and this is not a new thing, a threat to the family, the challenges of the family. Reflecting upon society in the 5th century, St. Augustine understood sin in this phrase, the libido dominandi. In other words, the desire, the lust for domination. And when we see that in our culture, we see that, that how negatively that affects the family. We see this in economics. We see that those who have are trying to dominate those who have not. We see this politically when we see political ideology trumping the good of all, challenging and overcoming our desire to serve everyone as best we can. We also see this in sexuality. We see that, look around in our culture, this desire to dominate someone else, to take advantage of them, is pervasive in our culture. It is disgusting and despicable behavior. And we see all of these things as threats to the family. Because, as St. Paul reminds us in the letter to the Colossians, to enter into love is to enter into a life of mutual subordination. He's asking the whole family to sacrifice, to serve, to build up. Why? Because it is in the family that Christ can be best glorified, that the church has its most important work. In fact, in the Catechism and in St. John Paul II's Apostolic Exhortation of the Family, the family is referred to as the first church, the domestic church, the primary church. What we are doing here should be the fruit of what is going on in the family. The sanctification, the prayer, the sacrifice, the mutual subordination that goes on each and every day is then fed by the Lord eucharistically, sacramentally, in His grace so that we can go and do it more and more. But not only that, and if we look to the Ten Commandments, we see this beautiful image of the family. The Ten Commandments, the first three are about love of God. The second seven, or the second group, 
or about love of neighbor. Remember that great commandment from Jesus? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and your might, and your neighbor as yourself. And what is the fourth commandment? What is in God's covenant with us the way in which God teaches us to love our neighbor? The first way, honor your mother and father. In the family, in the authority, in the security, in the relationship of the family, we learn how to love and not to dominate. We learn how to sacrifice and not to take for ourselves. And lastly, the family helps us realize an absolutely crucial understanding in the Christian worldview that it's not all about me. In fact, the family shows us that our primary way of looking at the world is in relationship. The family shows us that my rights come with a corresponding duty to serve. So it's not about what I can get out of this, but it's about how I can serve the greatest good, the communal good. And in serving that, I become better. In the responsorial psalm today, we heard the Lord's covenant will last forever. The family is a covenantal relationship. It is blessed by God. And it is a calling forth for our entire lives. It's not contractual. It's not an exchange of goods for a certain end. And when that, we get to that point, we're done. It's a commitment to each other forever and an embracing of the challenges that come with that. For example, in my own family, by the end of May, God willing, there will have been in a 13-month period four weddings and two children born. That's a lot of change in my family. I was finally just starting to get used to relating to my brothers and sisters as a Dominican and as a priest, and now I've got all these in-laws, and now there are babies. And I would love to say that I'm a better brother now, but it's a challenge, but it's a beautiful challenge. It's beautiful, too, when I was home a couple weeks ago to go for a walk with my little sister and to basically say, I don't think I'm being a very good brother right now. Help me be a better brother. How can I be a better brother to you? And that's a challenge. But in that covenant, we make each other better. We build each other up. A family from Nazareth walked into the temple and changed the world. If Christ is in our families, if that mutual subordination of love is the vision and goal of all that we do in the family, when we go anywhere, when we do anything communally or apart, we can change the world. Christ himself spent 30 years listening, learning, serving quietly under the authority of his parents. If we are able to listen, to be formed, to make our family a living image of the Holy Family, we can, like Christ, go out into the world inspired by him, driven by his Holy Spirit, to make this world a better place. And so in our families, May our domestic churches be churches of prayer. Churches where God's commandments are lived and wrestled with and discussed. Churches where the sanctification of each member, the sacrificial love, 
of each member. The building up of the kingdom of God in the hearts and in the lives of the community and in each member. Echo. So that our family might be the holy family. So that each one of us might in one way, like Joseph and Mary, serve Christ and be amazed at what Christ is doing in our lives and in our hearts and in our families.